That's great. Well, God bless you. Why don't you take a seat? Here we are on the 20th of February. Is that where I'm standing? Is that the issue? Or do I need to relocate this or something like that? Yeah. See how young our team is up here today? Woohoo! Maybe they're not young, maybe I'm just old. But um, it made me think of something, and I know this couple watches us online. I think they're in Queensland. Pastors Max and Chris Phillips, I want to say thank you because you were my kids' pastors and you sowed so much into us. Naomi, me, my brother, he's here today. We were in your kids' ministry and I want to thank you for everything you gave to this next generation because we were that. And I want to let you know that what you did to us is going to continue until Jesus comes back. We're going to ensure that the next generation get lifted up all the time so that God will use them because he's so willing and they are so willing. So thank you. Hope you're watching today. If not, hope you watch the recording. (laughs) Anyway, God bless you all. It's great to be in church and I'm so excited to share this message with you today. And um, I wanna speak again about Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel, I like Zerubbabel so much that I'm hoping one of my sons will name their son Zeru so we can have Zerubbabel. Don't you reckon? Zerubbabel, and it's got to be my sons and their sons because I wanted to hold it because Zuru Smith might not make it, you know, or Zuru, you know, but Zerubbabel would be really cool. But um, I want to share with you because last week I, I preached a message on Zerubbabel. <laughs> I've done it now, Zerubbabel, and um, and I had this revelation about what God did with His life. And uh, there was so much that I prepared. I actually prepared so much I had to cut it in two. So you're gonna be hearing the B side of this album today um, because I think it's significant for what God's asked us to do. Revelation I got for us, Strong Nation Church, is God's asked us to lead. He's asked us to rise up and take the lead, which can be daunting, right? And I'm assuming He's asked all churches to do it, or maybe a lot of churches, I'm not quite sure. But I do know that he's asked us to do that. And it came out of the thought when I was reading the story of David and Goliath. I'll just recap a little bit of last week. David and Goliath was, um, you know, a young boy turns up at the fight, sees this guy going against God's people. And he says, is there not a cause? Those five words changed everything for David. Took him from a little shepherd boy on the pathway to becoming the one who would lead God's people into the golden era of Israel. And um, I got inspired by that and I realised that that cause is something that is still around today. The cause looks very different for us maybe. It's not a giant yelling abuse at us and wanting to fight us. But there's a spiritual battle that we have where we have a whole bunch of the world living in darkness and God wants them in the light. He loves them so much, He wants them in His light. He just wants them in His family. He wants to be like a dad to them. And um, our job is to let them know that God loves them. That's pretty well it. God loves you. And, um, And I feel like He's asking us to lead that charge. Anyway, last week I spoke about David and how um, a prophecy came over David saying, David, because David wanted to build God a temple. It wasn't right that God's presence would be in a tent. The Ark of the Covenant was in a tent. This is 1000 BC. And um, he says, it's not right. I need to build God a house. I need to build him a temple. And God said, no, 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 no. I love your heart, son. But you're a man of war. You've got blood on your hands. Let your sons do that. And he actually said this, and, but I'm gonna build you a house, David. 
This is a prophecy that came over David. I'm gonna build your house. He wasn't gonna build him bricks and mortars. He already had a palace. No, no, I'm gonna give you a line, a lineage, and that will never end. Your throne, your line, David, will never end. And that was the promise over him. And he says, as your descendants, they will build me a house. They will build a temple. But it's more than just building a temple. They will continue the line is what the prophecy means. And it will never, ever end. And he says this, and I will be a father to him and they will be my son. And that promise again was this relationship that God wanted to put through his generations. Well, his son Solomon came along, a wise guy. And I don't know how wise he was, some of the things he did. He had... uh, 300 wives and 700 concubines or girlfriends. Um, I'm not quite sure whether that's wisdom or not, but um, that's a lot of people. And, um, but he ended up following their gods and he wasn't a great king in the end. He was not very kind to the people of Israel. He died and his son Rehoboam comes along and Rehoboam, um, the advisors came around him and said, look, look, we need to be nice to the people. He says, really, really? Well, my father was the finger, I'll be the fist. He said, I'll teach him how to do it. And he became very oppressive. And what it did, it caused the kingdom of Israel to split into two. And those who went to the north became a new Israel. And those who stayed in the south around Jerusalem became Judah. I taught you a little bit of biblical history. They became Judah. That was the house of David. That was the line of David, Judah. From the tribe of Judah. It was primarily the tribe of Judah and a few of the Benjaminites were there too. But Jesus came out of the tribe of Judah, the line of David, right? And the prophecy that Jesus would come out of that was part of this whole prophecy that he received. And, um, but uh, it splits. And um, hundreds of years later, uh, something happened with Israel where they were taken into captivity, into exile, into Babylon. Babylon came and took them, took all the children of Israel or Judah out and had them captive in Babylon. And for 70 years, they were held captive. And it's called the exile. But then they found a really good king. His name escapes me right now. And he said, it's not right that the people of Yahweh, the people of God be held here. They need to go back home. He sent priest Ezra to go teach them the Bible, teach them the Torah. And then they sent back this guy called Zerubbabel and his mate Joshua, not the Joshua we read about earlier in the Bible, but another Joshua. Joshua was a priest. Zerubbabel was a governor. And Zerubbabel was an amazing guy and I've been doing a lot of extra biblical study on him. There's lots of books written about him in other texts and, and he was an amazing guy. He was born into captivity. He was born as pretty much a prisoner in Babylon. But God knew and he understood this, I think, that he was part of the line of David. You see, his grandfather was one of the last kings of Judah. He had it in him. There was something about him. So he was made governor, or if you like, king of Judea, the king of, of what his grandfather was. And, and uh, Haggai, the prophet, actually calls him out on this. He's, he comes in and he says, hey, God's gonna shake the kingdoms of this planet. God's gonna do it. And on that day, declares the Lord Almighty, I will take you, my servant, Zerubbabel. Now you've got to understand the words, my servant. We think, oh, yeah, that's nice. Servant, get me a coffee. No, 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 no. No, he would have understood this as something big. Because God didn't use the words my servant unless he really meant they are with me. They are the ones I have chosen. In Abraham, Moses got called that a little bit, but mainly David. King David was known as my servant from, by God. 
And, um, you know, even at that point, I think Zerubbabel would have went, whoa, yes, I'm in the line of David. There's something more than just being voted king. He goes back to Jerusalem, he rebuilds the temple and, and um, the line of David just continued and continued and great thing. And last week I, I, I suggested that I believe the line of David still continues, but it's not in a king anymore, it's actually in his church. It went through Jesus and on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit came and launched his church and I believe the line of David now is in his church. And I think the calling of the line of David is still the same. He's gonna build us a house, our goal is to build him a house. That's what he wants us to do. Remember that scripture, I will be like a father to him and he will be my son. Well, Paul turns around in 2 Corinthians chapter six and he'll be a father to you and you'll be his sons and daughters. In other words, Paul thought this too. He realised this is the line of David. That promise that was over David, Solomon, Rehoboam, and all the kings, all the way through Zerubbabel, all the way through to Jesus and onto the disciples is still on the church. And that's where we left it last week. Today I wanna to look at Zerubbabel a lot more. See, he built the temple, he was his servant. Remember last week I talked about he was the signet ring. God said, I'll make you my signet ring. In other words, I'm gonna give you my authority. Wow, that's on the church. But I wanna look a bit closer at Zerubbabel. He was, like I said, born in captivity. He would have been less than 70 years old when he came out of Babylon. They were in there for 70 years. And um, he wouldn't have known much about Jerusalem or Israel other than what he was told. He would have heard about the old temple. It would have been, you know, something he would have been told about how wonderful it was, but it was destroyed. I've got to go build a new one. He goes back there and he goes back there and, and God's shaking the kingdoms like he prophesied. Haggai had prophesied that, and he calls the ribble out. He says this: Haggai chapter two, verse two to four. Speak now to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the high priest, and to all the remnant of the people, the Jews, and say, who is left among you who saw this temple in its former glory? How do you see it now? Is it not as nothing in your eyes? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, declares the Lord. Be strong, O Joshua. Be strong, all you, you people of the land, declares the Lord. Work, for I am with you, declares the Lord of hosts. God wanted his temple built. Someone had to stand up and take the lead and it was Zerubbabel. Joshua was there as the priest, Zerubbabel was there as the leader. I need you to lead, mate, will you lead? It would have been daunting. It would have been, you know, there's Nehemiah over there building the walls, that's pretty cool. And he would have seen a, you know, people with a bit of hope but they had opposition. It would have been really, really daunting. But God wanted his temple built. You see, for the Jewish people, the temple was everything. Without the temple, they're not a people. To them, it was everything. That's where they, that was the only place they went to worship, was the temple. That was it. They'd bring their sacrifices. In fact, that's where the presence of God dwelt in the temple. If they wanted to make an inquiry of God, they went to the temple. It was everything to them. And God needed it rebuilt. He said, son, we're going to rebuild it because my people need it. He would have understood what a huge responsibility that is. God dwells here, I've got to build God's house, wow. It's a whole different story about you know, the building of it. But, and how it was built and what it was built of is amazing. But 
He had to stand up and take the lead no matter how daunting that was. Fast forward to 2022. Just like Israel back then, they were disconnected, disarrayed, maybe fearful. Going back to a land that most of them had never been to, but they say land. Here we are, we're just coming out, hopefully, of a time where the world has actually been shaken. There's a lot of disconnection going on and there has been fear. And I feel like that's why God's asking, will someone please stand and take the lead? Something has to be rebuilt here. And I'm convinced, like I said a few weeks ago, I'm not sure whether the government can lead us in this. I don't think they can. Because for them, they've got to get the votes, right? I don't think corporate business can do it because they've got to get a profit, right? I don't think the media can do it because I don't think they can lie straight in bed, tell you the truth. Sorry. I believe the church's opportunity right now is to stand up with no agenda other than we're going to rebuild. No agenda other than the people must be reconnected, the fear must be driven out. We need to bring peace into our communities. We don't have an agenda. When, trust me, this pastor doesn't have an agenda to fill this room. Oh, it's got a big church. No, that's so 1994. No, no, no. Our agenda is, let's go. Let's take the lead. Let's rise up and lead. We're living in a world where people are looking for answers. What's my future hold? What am I going to do next? Some people, their walls have been totally upside. They're disconnected from families. Churches have been disconnected. Someone has to rise up and take the lead. How do we do it? It's a big call. It's a big call. I believe the Christian's life should be one that stands out. I think the Christian's life should be something that people seek out. I really do. I think as we're living our life in the marketplace, in our families, in our normal world, I really feel that the Christian's life should make a difference. It shouldn't just be normal. You're not called to be a normal person. Peter calls us aliens. Have a look at the person next to you and go, yeah. <laughs> aliens, all right. I think it should stand out. I remember once when I was doing TAFE, back as a young 18-year-old guy and doing TAFE and we were on level five and on level seven of our building were the hairdressers and we were the drafts people, you know, we were the drawers. They were the hairdressers, the artistic ones. And um, they, they would often give free haircuts out for anyone who gave it a go and the first crop went and no one else went after that. Back when the mullets were really cool. And uh, I remember once the girls upstairs decided to have a seance. And um, some of the guys from our crew went to the seance at lunchtime. Anyway, me, I was, I was the Westie. I was called Westie and Born Again Jukebox because I walk in, run, singing the latest cool songs like Born Again, Born to Win, I'm a Child of the Most High. No one else gets it? Okay. Born Again Jukebox, <clears throat> they knew I was saved. I was just a new Christian. I was just really excited. I'd witness to a lamp pole, you know? I was that excited. And they called me Westie because I used to wear my Westie shirt and I'd come from out west. And, and um, I remember just after that lunchtime when the sounds were there, I didn't know what was going on. And these people ran in and ran to me and they were white as ghosts. Rick, Rick, Juki, come here. What's wrong, what's wrong? <sighs> it freaked us out. Apparently some real demonic activity happened in that room and it freaked them out big time. 
What got me was they knew where to come. They knew who to talk to. The Christian life must stand out. And I feel like that's what he's asking us to do. Stand up, rise up and lead. We don't lead with judgment, we lead with love. We lead with confidence. We lead with peace and and joy. That's how we lead. And I feel like this is what God's wanting us to do. We're able to do this. And I'm gonna ask us, church, will we continue to walk this? Maybe some of us, will we start to lead this? Because God's asked us to. Where do we start? Go to Zechariah chapter four. There's another guy who prophesied over Zerubbabel. And... um, I read this and I thought, yeah, I've read that before. And then the penny dropped of the context of it. And I wanna share with you what happened to me when I read this. First of all, guys, um, this dream happened to Zechariah and what it was was a lampstand with a bowl on it and some tubes coming out with some flames on it and um, palm trees either side of it. And he goes, Zechariah, do you know what this means? We'll pick it up in verse five of Zechariah four. Then the angel talked to me and answered and said to do you know what these things are? And I said, no, I wouldn't either. Lampstand with, you know, crazy. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Or Zerubbabel. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's where it's from. Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone in the temple with shouts of grace, grace. Beautiful passage of scripture. I guarantee you've been, especially in Pentecostal world, for any amount of time you would have known, not by might, not by power, but by your spirit. We actually used to sing that a lot when I was a kid. And, and it's a powerful passage. Well, this is where it's from. And this is how we, his church, begin to lead. As I read this, it all the penny dropped for me. This is what he wants. And I wanna share with you what caught my eye out of this passage of scripture. And I wanna suggest that this is a word for us today. Everyone at home, everyone here on the riverbank, if that's where you are, this is a word for us to begin to lead because we're gonna redefine leadership. Take all your preconceived ideas of leadership and just put them aside. God's gonna raise up a different sort of leaders, a different sort of leadership in his church. Love it. Zechariah 4, 6. So he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. You know, you know what, about 700 years before him, David, he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And you're, yeah, so what? No, 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 no. Before Jesus came, that was rare. In fact, he's the only one we know of where the Holy Spirit came on him and never left him. He was a look into what the New Testament would be all be about, which we live in, the new covenant. He was a, an image of what got another linking to what the church is about. He, 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 he got filled with the Holy Spirit and he, he walked with God in a way that no one else would ever do. He was led totally by the Holy Spirit's influence all the time. That's how he's such a good king. One day he did something very bad and wrong. He slept with another man's wife. She fell pregnant and then he had her husband murdered. Wow. Not good. Bad boy. Slap on the wrist. (laughs) He gets found out. And do you know what his response was? Lord, I'm so sorry. 
take me, whip me, beat me if you want, but just don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Just don't take it. I've got to have your spirit with me. Do whatever you need to to me. I know the sacrifices aren't enough. Just don't take your spirit from me. It was so important to him. And here we have Zerubbabel being told the same thing. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Hey, buddy, you're not strong enough. No, you're not. You haven't got enough might. You haven't got enough power. But you have my spirit. David was described as my servant, right? We talked about that, my servant. I actually believe the linkage of that is the Holy Spirit. This is my take on it right now. Zerubbabel was called to do this with the Spirit of God. Interesting fact, after the day of Pentecost, after Christ, right? Jesus came, rose from the grave, went, Holy Spirit came, right? Holy Spirit fell on the disciples and they began to speak in tongues and prophesy and went out and saw miracles and everything and the gospel just spread. Do you know they referred to themselves at that point as God's servants? See, they would have understood something that we don't understand about the words God's servants. Once they were, they preached, they were preaching the gospel and got beaten up for doing it and put in prison, then let go and they went off to a prayer meeting, as you do after you've spent time beaten up and in jail. You go off to a prayer meeting afterwards to all their friends and they say, oh, we were just so glad we were able to be your servants. I think it's linked with Holy Spirit. In fact, I think if you really wanna serve the Lord, the key to do it in any strength is to do it through the Spirit of God. Oh, the halls are full of people who are burned without him who aren't no longer serving God because we did it in our own strength. If we're gonna lead, we can't lead with our own wisdom. We can't lead because we're smart enough. You can't get the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership and just think I'm okay now. No. And I think the church might've fallen into a trap with that thinking we've just gotta have the right keys and we'll become good leaders. No way. It's like saying there's four steps to raising Lazarus from the dead, A, B, C, D. There's not four steps to raising someone from the dead. Only God can do that. Yeah. We've just got to be available and filled with Him. Yeah. Filled with the Holy Spirit. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit. You know what's really cool about that passage of Scripture? That is the Scripture that this church, Hawkesbury Church, was planted on. Yeah. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit. Yeah. The Holy Spirit came. And if you are filled with the Holy Spirit, you've got the requisite. Oh, what is it? Uh, the requirements. <laughs> You've got the requirements of leadership. Because yeah. the Holy Spirit dwells in you. All you need to do is learn how to lead, have Him lead you. Listen for His voice. As He leads you, my goodness, He will take you. We have it. Jesus promised the Holy Spirit would come. The Father, don't do anything He said to His disciples until the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And he'll be your counsellor, your comforter. He'll be the one who walks beside you. In fact, he's gonna go beyond, beside you. He wants to be within you, in your spirit, so you can feel his spirit, you can hear his spirit. His spirit will speak to you. Wow, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. We must walk in the spirit. Have a good read of Galatians chapter five, Romans chapter eight. In your own time, it's all Paul's saying, this is the key to walking this incredible life where everybody says, I want what they've got. You try and do it in the flesh and you won't inherit what God has. You do it in the spirit and the whole kingdom inheritance is yours, including the ability to lead. It's in leadership. Verse seven, 
Who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. Pretty cool, this one. Who are you, great mountain? I like that bit of attitude. Who are you? What are you? You know, metaphorically, when a mountain is mentioned, usually in the Bible, metaphorically, it talks about spiritual strongholds. One day, Jesus was at Caesarea Philippi of his disciples. I preached on this last year. At a place called the Grotto of Pan. It's a big hole in the ground at the base of a mountain. He says, you know, I'm gonna build my church. And the gates of hell, that hole was called the gates of hell. The gates of hell will not prevail against my church. And, and um, you know, it would have meant a lot to his disciples because they would have known the legend behind that hole. That's where all the demons are. That's where all the bad people are. They're just waiting, mate, mate. That's where the devil himself is in there. That's what they would have thought at that time. But not only that, it's on a base of a mountain called Mount Hermon. It's now in Lebanon, or northern Israel, Lebanon, around there somewhere. Big mountain, huge mountain. They have a ski resort on top of it these days. Six days after Jesus made that comment about the gates of hell, he takes three of his disciples and says, hey, let's climb the mountain. Okay, let's do it. Take a bit of a hike up there. And uh, after that, you know, he had a great encounter with Moses, Elijah, and God's audible voice. This is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. What's exciting about that, if you read the book of Enoch, which is not a biblical book, but many of the Bible characters would have read the book of Enoch. They actually quote it. He actually believes that the Mount Hermon was the place where the demons and devil descended upon earth and that was their throne. Now, we don't have to believe that, but they probably did. They would have. Paul, I mean John, John quotes, oh no, sorry, not John, Jude. Jesus' brother actually quotes the book of Enoch. Paul refers to it, Peter quotes it. They would have known what the book of Enoch actually says about that mountain. It would have been a bit uneasy, don't you think? This is the devil's throne? What? Now, I don't think it is the devil's throne. But I think Jesus was utilising something. He went up this mountain hear the audible voice of God, this is my son of God and I'm really pleased with him. Comes down the mountain. You know, a week later, Jesus was dead. Talk about a spiritual attack. It was all the plan though. Bible actually says if they knew what he was doing, they would never have killed him. That's what Paul said, if they knew what he was doing. Jesus says something really interesting in Matthew 17 after that mountain. See, they come down, little demon-possessed boys there. They, the, the, the disciples couldn't cast a demon out. Jesus says, leave and cast out. And the, the disciples are saying, how come you could do that, Jesus, but we couldn't? Later on, he says this. Matthew 17, verse 20. If you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, he's pointing to what they believe to be the spiritual stronghold of the devil. You can say to this mountain, move from here, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. Just believe. Here we have Zerubbabel being told, speak to the mountain. Hey mountain, you're gonna become like a plane. Spiritual stronghold, you have no authority over me. In fact, I have authority over you. I believe what I took out of this was that if we're gonna lead, we've gotta understand we have that spiritual authority. One of the things I've noticed in the last 20 years or so in the church, we don't speak enough about supernatural world. 
And let me tell you, it is very real. It is very real. I've had voices talking to me out in the public and people, other people heard them through other peoples. This boy we were praying for once and his voice changed, his face changed. Another girl. It's very real. And the devil's very real. He's not a little cute guy with a red jumpsuit on with horns in his head. He's a nasty person. He's a nasty thing. And he's very real. He's already judged. But here's the thing. We have authority over him. Not our authority, not by might, not by power, but by his spirit. You can't take him on. Don't think you can. I know as young youth, we thought, oh, well, let's take the devil on, we'll, we'll, we'll punch him. No, no, no. But the Holy Spirit, God himself, him and his demons, they tremble at the name of Jesus. Wow. These mountains that we come across in leadership, they're gonna be spiritual strongholds. We can speak to them. We can say no more. We can say you're done with, get out of here right now. We don't have to subject to fear. We don't have to be push, allow the pushback to happen in our lives. We don't have to have our children have nightmares every night because we can go in there and say, in the name of Jesus, that should stop. No longer. Pastor Andrew and I were called out to Duneside once. This little boy would not sleep in his room because of the monsters. And I think that's weird. And this is for months. He just wouldn't. He was just scared stiff every night. Sun goes down, he gets scared. I can't come into my room, can't go into your room. Anyway, Andrew and I were called out there and we thought, okay, let's go in there. And I now realise, as soon as you walk in there, you realise that the authority on us is enough to drive me out just by being there. Because we're God's sons. We have his authority. We're his signet ring. We go into this room and say, in the name of Jesus, stop. Don't ever come back here again. We walked out. Got a phone call that night. He's now sleeping in his room. There was no fear. I thought I'd call her a couple of months later. How's he going? Still no nightmares. No fear. Don't tell me the spiritual realm is not real. It's very real. But it's not to be feared. Oh, it's not to be feared. Why? Because you have the biggest, scariest, cool dude as your God who conquered hell and death. He holds the keys of life. He holds the keys of hell and death. He holds it in his hands and his name is Jesus, the Son of God, the living God. And he gave that authority to you. All authority has been given to me here. Go into all the world, make disciples. Christians, it's time for us to take a stand and put up with that nonsense the devil wants to throw at you ever again. Sometimes I know we might be every now and then have a few disagreements, a bit of tense time. And it took me years to realise this. No, it's the devil. Mind you, I was a bit of a jerk sometimes. Sometimes, not always. But I realised when I took it to the spiritual world and said, no, I just sort of ironed it out. When I realised when, you know, there's situations we couldn't fix in our, in our families, and we just had to surrender and say, God, this is yours. Your authority now, go. And allow him to deal with it. He's got a greater truth than we'll ever have. Yeah. I've just got to tap into his. Yeah. yeah. We cannot forget about the supernatural world. 
Paul used an army analogy of the church, Ephesians chapter six. Let me read it to you. Finally, be strong in the Lord, church, and in the strength of His might, put on the whole armour of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. This is New Testament. Verse 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood or the noisy neighbour or that bratty kid. No, that's not our wrestle. But against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Then he goes on, he gives you a whole bunch of armour. Mate, that'd be a good sermon. Maybe we should do that. Put on the whole armour of God, the helmet of salvation, the breastplate of righteousness, shield of faith, belt of truth, the shoes of peace. Put them on, Christian, because you're in an army now and you're weaponized. And right at the end of that little passage, it says, and don't forget to pray in the Spirit. Why? Because He's your weapon. He's your weapon. The Holy Spirit. We've got to stand strong in order to lead. Faith in the Holy Spirit, who He is in us. Amen. Amen. So when, those, when you see a mountain, valleys I think are situations, mountains are strongholds. When it's talking metaphorically. You might have to walk through a valley sometimes, but he's with you. We sang that today. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I fear no evil for he is with me. David wrote that because he knew. Through the mountains though, they're not, they're not issues. They're strongholds. You're finding a stronghold. You're walking, you find you just can't break through. Grab hold of that authority that is in you because of the Jesus Christ did for you and the Holy Spirit brings to you and claim it. You know, when I walk into Windsor High School, I do it on Mondays now and Tuesday mornings. I see myself walking with this authority and no one else knows it, especially the kids. <laughs> but the demons do, the devil does. And I say, today will be a day of peace over this school. Today will be a day of peace over these teachers. Today will be a day of peace over every student. And Lord, you're gonna be glorified in whatever happens today, every day. Why? Because when I show up, he has to pay attention and he has to leave. The devil, I mean. Amen? Verse seven, who are you, O great mountain? Before Zerubbabel, you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of grace, grace. He shall bring forth the capstone. In other words, he's gonna build this thing. He's gonna complete it, the capstone's completion, All right? He's gonna complete this, shouting grace, grace. Interesting thing about the word grace in the Old Testament, in here it's Cain, I've been waiting all week to say that, Cain, Cain. It's like you got COVID or something, you know, Cain. And um, mainly in the Old Testament, it's, transferred, it's translated as favour. You know, when Joseph found favour in the eyes of Potiphar, the jailer, Pharaoh, when he found favour, that's a Cain. When David found favour in the eyes of the people, Cain. That's favour, it's grace. And I took out of this, do you know what? God's letting Zerubbabel know, you've got my favour, son. I'm not only got your presence, my presence on you, I favour you. My grace is all over you. I realised something. Contemplating it while I was mowing the lawn this week. Thinking through, I do a lot of contemplation mowing the lawn. It's a lot of lawn. Um, 
throughout my life, I have constantly been out of my depth all the time. Punching above my weight in my marriage, out of my depth there, let me tell you. Every time I've been, a door is open for me, I've been out of my depth. I can't do that. I can't really do that. But doors open, I walk through it. My career as a draftsman, fate, I, I look back and there's just been this incredible favour. Hasn't always been easy. I even got the sack once, three days before Christmas, and it turned out in my favour. Got a pay rise by another company, took me on, and they were the one who trained me in CAD drafting, which the other guys would never have learnt that, and it enabled me to do a whole bunch of things. Everywhere I look, there's been this favour, but I've been fully out of my depth. Asked to take on a youth ministry. Really, I've got three, third kids about to be born. I'm a family man, I've done my, I've done my time in youth. God said, no, go back in there. Okay. But we were starting investments, you know. Remember, we were owning some houses and God says, no, I want you to stop doing that. I'll do your investments for you. I want you to raise a generation. I'm out of my depth. We go in there and God does a miracle. He just does a miracle. See all these young people coming to Christ. Talk about breaking spiritual strongholds. We break spiritual strongholds everywhere. But I'm out of my depth. I have no idea what I'm doing. There used to be a thing called Big Exo where all the Youth Alive would gather all the youth ministries together down at the tennis centre in Homebush there. And one day we took 913 kids out of our depth. We didn't even advertise it. We just said, bring your friends and they all did. We're out of our depth. I remember Russell Evans, the pastor of um, Planet Shakers Church. So oh, Rick Burrell, he's, a, he's an enigma. I still don't know what an enigma is, but I do know I'm out of my depth. And I realise I don't have the skill. I don't have the personality. I don't, I don't have the know-how of doing any of that. Totally out of my depth. But I have His favour and I have His grace. Grace, grace. Feeling overwhelmed? Grace, grace. God's asked me to lead here in my workplace? Grace, grace. I don't need to have the right sayings. I don't need to do the right thing. I just have to, grace, grace. Be available. See, I was saying, it's not your ability, it's your availability God uses. Seeing over here, seeing Jenny Chun, legend Jenny Chun, world's quietest evangelist, I call her. Favour, favour, grace, grace on your life, Jen. Look what you've done and what your husband is now doing. Grace, grace in the land of Cambodia. Grace, grace, it's favour. And you get God's favour simply by walking in His Spirit, living in His Kingdom. That's where you get it. You see, favour doesn't mean you don't go through the valleys. Favour ensures you come out of them on the other side. Favour doesn't mean you're going to avoid, you know, having a hard time. It doesn't mean that at all. Favour means you won't get derailed in those hard times. He will walk beside you. That's the grace. That's the favour. And as we rise up to lead church, we rise up in His favour. Not our favour. We're going to be totally out of our depths. But that's the way you want it. If you can still touch the bottom of the river, it can't take you where you need to go. But if you can't touch the bottom, it will just take you. Yeah? Is that a good analogy? That'll do. 
God has called you, He's called us. I see people rising up in their workplaces and making suggestions because God showed them something and the boss going, how did you know that? Well, do you want me to help boss? I can see some of you just walking into a room and seeing peace come on people's lives just because you're there. Why? Because you took the lead of living in peace. Not allowing that demon, that mountain, you just levelled it as a plane and you took that to your workplace. Grace, grace. I see people in their family where there's been turmoil and the devil's had a real field day. People rising up early in the morning say, that ends today, no more. And your kids sleeping well. Kids loving each other and having peace over their house. Because you rose up and you took the lead. Parents, pray through your house the favour of God. Especially new houses. Pray over it. This is the favour of the Lord in this house. Why? Because you are a leader in the Kingdom of God. You're one of His lieutenants, majors or generals. You get to lead. Take hold of it. Be the ones. Feel the anointing. On the 27th of March, everybody say 27th of March. We're going to do something really radical as Hawkesbury Church. There's a park in South Windsor called McLeod Park. And um, it's in the middle of South Windsor. And Dave and Sam have seen some great things happen there with foundation and things that they run with the kids. I want us to go there on a Sunday morning instead of coming here. I'm gonna ask those of you online, unless you're too far away or you're sick, I'm gonna ask you to come as well on the 27th of March. And we're gonna have a festival in the middle of South Windsor. We're gonna get face painting, balloons. Oh, we might not get jumping castles, they're a bit of a health hazard, but uh, horrible. Band, we'll get the band playing. Maybe we'll get some dog groomers, who knows? I, and what I feel like I wanna do, I wanna bring hope to a community since 2019 had smoke and fires and helicopters buzzing around. Then they had floods and then COVID, then then floods and then COVID. Non-stop, this community. The community in which God has planted this church, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit. And I really felt the Lord has asked us to go in there and just show hope. Let them know there's hope. But here's the biggest thing. This is what I think spiritual warfare is in the supernatural. I believe it's going somewhere the devil thinks he owns it and we go there to tell him that he doesn't. Because when we're there, he's a minority and he has to go. And he's messing with people's lives right now. And that's got to stop. And the church has to lead because we are His representative. We are the line of David. We are His signet ring. We are the my servants of God. So I'm gonna ask you, it's not a week to take a week off. We're gonna do church a bit differently. We're gonna worship the Lord by glorifying Him in a community. And we're not gonna get all Christian and sing gospel songs. You know, sing Elvis Presley if you want, I don't care. Elvis Presley, just talk to your parents, kids, they'll tell you who he is. I just want us to be there. I don't want you to hand out tracts or tell everyone, you know, unless someone asks, I don't want you to go over there, have you heard about Jesus? No, 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 no. I just want you to be present. And we're gonna have a fun time and just bring hope and speak life.
What a great day it is today. Hasn't it been a good year so far? It's gonna be a fantastic this year in South Windsor this year. Speak life, speak hope. We're gonna bring God's presence into that area. Will you join me? Radical church, a bit different, right? It's gonna be, we're gonna start probably nine o'clock till 12 o'clock in that park. We've got a band playing. Gonna have food, free food. We'll hand food out. Maybe we'll need some people to do some face painting. I wouldn't know how to do it, so that'd be really cool if I had to go at it, just paint anything on there. You're a puppy dog. Doesn't look like one. It is, trust me, it's a puppy dog. If you have any more ideas, let us know. Talk to Bruce, he's got a team brainstorming. What else can we do? I want this community to know that there's a church who wants to bring hope. But they might not even realise we're a church, but I don't really care because you are the church. Let's bring hope, amen. That's how we lead. That's how we lead. Not by might, not by power, but by my Spirit. It is as you walk with Holy Spirit, it builds you, it gives you confidence to lead. In fact, He leads you in as a leader into leadership. Speak to the mountain, grace, uh, lower the mountain. Spiritual authority, the mountains have to be levelled if we tell them to. Do you understand that? Speak to the mountain. And we do it because of the grace and the favour of God. It requires faith. What is faith? Faith is, I just believe. You can't convince me that's not. I just believe. That's faith. I know that I know that I know because God told me His truth and I know His truth. Amen. I want to pray for you. Can I ask everyone to stand? At home, can you stand as well, please? I feel like Holy Spirit wants to do something in people's lives. He's amazing. He's the best friend you'll ever have, closer than a brother or sister. He's closer than any other friend. He's so close to you even now, He wants to talk with you. So why don't you, with your spirit, just listen to Him right now. Block out yesterday, block out today and block out tomorrow. Just look to Him. Holy Spirit, my friend, I love it when you make your presence felt. Thank you. Lord, would you just come right now? Just Holy Spirit, come. Just begin to speak to people, will you please? The anointing, the favour, the grace that is upon their lives. Would you just show them that? Some of you are saying, yeah, but. No, 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 just believe His favour. The truth is He has sent you the Holy Spirit. If you have been filled with Holy Spirit, He is in you. Just receive what He wants to say to you. Thank you, Lord. Now, Holy Spirit, I ask you, Lord, that you would guide us in leading in our homes, our workplaces, our schools, our unis, our streets, our acquaintances, our teams. Would you give us wisdom and show us how to lead in those areas? Highlight the mountains, Lord, so we can speak to them with grace. Show us, that, Lord, that that object is just a mountain and you've already dealt with it. 
Thank you, Father. Our Lord, I pray favour over every household represented here today. I pray, Lord God, that they would walk in that favour every day. And Lord, yes, we as your church will rise up and begin to lead. And we will give you glory in the name of Jesus. Amen. I'd like us to sing one more song. Just lead us in that, mate. It's a real presence of God here right now. Let's sing it.